hasn't been an intro yet. Oh, sorry, sorry. If Thought I that was were going to do an intro of some sort, it would be something like this. Welcome! Danger and Sarge are... Well, no, that was shit. <laughs> <laughs> if people could see you, they'd appreciate it. It was yeah. very... You look like an orchestra conductor. <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I use my hands a lot when I talk anyway. Oh, it's great. Uh, you know, and, uh... It's not fun when I'm trying to talk on the phone and I just throw the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Your clients love that. Like, hey, we were having a conversation and then he sounded really far away. <laughs> there was a loud bang and then suddenly he just wasn't there anymore. Um, all right. That's awesome. Welcome to the Is For Podcast with Danger and Sarge. And today we've got Baby G with us. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah. So... Where each week we take a different letter of the alphabet. So this week, H is for He-Man. So we take the letter and we explore a topic that has to randomly do with their start with that letter. So, Lucas, what is your experience with He-Man? What are your memories of He-Man? So, um, as I say on every single podcast we've ever done, I love horror movies. And when I was a kid, I used to like, you know, fantasy stuff too. So I liked He-Man, but I loved Skeletor. I thought he was so cool looking, like a buff, weird skeleton in a hood. Like I was all about it. Uh, so I did have some of the toys, but Skeletor was my favorite part. Which actually, uh, so Skeletor, the idea of Skeletor, so the artist that drew He-Man. And so mm -hmm. this actually leads me to something else I was going to talk about. Um, okay, so when somebody writes a book or a musician writes a song, there is a credit for that. You know, two people write a book mm -hmm. or a song, musicians, sure. blah, blah, blah. There's a credit. So it is obvious who wrote that thing, who created that song. But in toys, it's very different because you've got several people that combine on, on a toy, you know, mm -hmm. and He-Man is a prime example of it. There are about five guys that take credit for creating He-Man, but they really all had to be there at the same time, working on the same idea to form this whole thing. Because you've got... Go on. Well, I was going to say, with, with that being said, when you think of other pieces of media, like you said, music or, or books or something, you usually have the title and the artist like listed almost at the same level. Like, you you know, it's a Carrie by Stephen King. It's, you know, Hot Fuss by the Killers. Like, right. it's sort of like, you know, whereas toys, it's just Mattel. Right. But see, that's, just that's the part about it that gets me is like, you know, it's, you know, okay, so a producer produces an album, recording engineer records the album, but then a lot of the contracts are written where they get a small percentage of cut of that the whole time. And so they still sure. get it. But when it's a person that works for a toy company, they get, they make the toy and then that's it. Their job is done. Well, so when I was looking up who created He-Man, it's credited as Roger Sweet, Mattel designer, He-Man name and space and military prototypes by Roger Sweet, commissioned by Ray Wagner, Tony Guerrero, who would later re-sculpt the He-Man prototype to resemble 
the final figure seen in stores. So it's like there were all these people that had to yeah. come along to write it and, you know, create it and whatnot. So, but within that, so I believe it's um, Tony Guerrero within this um, was an artist who was approached with the He-Man idea. And he actually says, I created He-Man. No, he created the look of what the final He-Man is. And he actually created Skeletor and whatnot, you know, the final look, not the idea of the character. And he actually gotcha. created he or Skeletor based off of when he was a kid going through a fun house at a, uh, at a fair and a body in a, on a noose dropped down from the ceiling and he said it smelt like death and he knew that it was real. Now, years later in a, wow. I believe this was in New Jersey. I, I may be completely wrong about that one, but years later, he was watching a documentary about that very thing and it ended up being a real body. So Skeletor, wow. Skeletor is based on the fear of a real dead body <laughs> in a fun house. That, let me just say that is an aggressive fun house. Right. That is it's a bit a bit too far, I think. Which I mean, let's just talk about whose idea was it or who thought it was a good idea to put that in a fun house for kids. Be like, it was probably like it was probably like one of the like actors that was like supposed to be working in the funhouse. Like he's supposed to jump out behind a wall with an axe or something. But he's like, I can't take this damn song anymore. And he just <laughs> ended it. <laughs> so it really was just this guy who was just like, you know what? This job sucks. That was this Steve. That was, yeah. That's Steve from accounting. He he doubles on the Halloween time to uh, as a scare guy. <laughs> he moonlights. He moonlights in, yeah. in horror shows, and you know what? Uh, he took his role really far this time. Yeah, yeah. He he said, "I'm gonna go out with a bang and leave him, leave him hanging." So, all right. When you and I first started talking about that, I was going to talk about He Man tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. So, it's not a secret that the show was created to sell the toys. Now, yes. When the whole idea behind. Uh, He-Man came from Mattel actually passed on Star Wars on making Star Wars toys. Mattel passed on it and then it went to Kenner and then became the biggest selling toys of that time. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anything's ever actually surpassed it at this point. So Mattel, yeah. so Mattel came along and said we have to come up with something bigger. And I don't know mm -hmm. how you do bigger than Star Wars but you can't create more space toys. So they had to create something, so they racked their brains and came up with Barbarian, and then that was what they ran with. So they actually had a line of toys, the big gym toys, and and to create the uh, the first model, they actually took a big gym toy and um, Roger Sweet, I believe it was, put a bunch of clay on it and started sculpting it out until it looked like an overgrown bodybuilder, you know, and. <laughs> put a fuzzy leotard on him and whatnot. And he had two companions with him. Uh, one of which was a guy with a thing that looked like a bullet on his head, called him bullet head. And the other one was a guy yeah. with a tank on his head, called him tank head. And yep. Mattel ate it up. They ran with it. Well, then Mattel said, do more. We need to come out with more stuff. Well, they ended up running out of money <laughs> in trying to develop everything. And so um, Battle Cat, was actually a repurposed big gym tiger that they painted green stripes on 
and put a saddle <laughs> on it. <laughs> so and Man would not be here if it was not for Big Jim. <laughs> and you know, I, I when when was the Big Jim toy? Do you know? Was that seventy? Um, I, I don't have. I would say it's seventies because uh, the yeah. first appearance of of He-Man um, in comics and, and toys and comics was in 1982. And they actually... Wow, that far they, back. Okay. Right. When they actually launched the He-Man toys, it was, okay, well, there's no backstory. Nobody knows who this is. And they said, well, we'll put a comic in it. Now, the thing behind that was they the boss of Mattel came to him and, and asked that question. And then one of the creators said, we'll put a comic with it. And then when the, when the owner left, the CEO left, the other the other creators looked at it and were like that's a good idea. Are you cut up with it? No, just thought of it. So so <laughs> on the fly they had to come up with a background. Um, so you know Big Jim had to be seventies, and I know at this point he had actually pretty much moved to all international sales. I believe more in Australia than anywhere else. So okay, because because the first thought that I had was the the big tall GI Joes that they used to have. Right and. That was a little bit before my time because when I started playing with action figures, I got the like five and a half inch, like really opposable. They had the little rubber band inside of them the, to, the to move their bodies. The were the only ones that were the rubber band. You'd spin the top and the right. bottom different ways and let it go. Yeah. And, and, you know. <laughs> so. but, but I do remember the, the He-Man toys being bigger and bulkier and you know they they didn't bend quite as much but they still had enough articulation that you could still have a lot of fun with them right which the star wars toys that came out at the time were i believe like three and a half inch four inch toys and then he-man came out and it was a five and a half inch so they came out with something bigger than star wars toys right on purpose plus so. if i remember correctly the original uh Star Wars toys, they moved their arms and they moved their legs, but that was it. You couldn't move their head side to side. You couldn't bend at the like elbow the or the knees. I don't think so. Not the original know. ones. I don't I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong. I, but um, And I remember, uh, I think the He-Man toys were a little more, you know, a little more durable. You could yeah. play with them a little bit you harder. You could throw them across the backyard and it wasn't going to break. <laughs> Blow them up with a firecracker. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, when, when the, uh, the comic books came out with the toys, they started to sell, but then it became a question of, you know, very quickly after what's your target age. And they said, well, sure. Five. And the response to that was five-year-olds don't read. So then they ran to Funmation and and came up with, I believe it was, I think it was like 30 seconds of, of a, uh, of a cartoon and they watched it and they said, holy shit, this is going to be huge. And sure enough, it was, I believe in the first year after the comp, after the cartoon came out, their sales in He-Man alone was over a hundred million. Right. It just skyrocketed, which caused them to start flooding the market with toys. I mean, I don't think I actually had a He-Man. I had, I remember a lizard thing with like suction cups that stuck to a window. Not very well at that because the plastic was all hard and, you know, but it was, yeah, it was I, nice. I, 
I distinctly remember having Skeletor. I remember Skeletor. I remember his sword. I remember the hood, like the whole thing. I don't know that I owned any other He-Man toy. Right. I think I just, I was so into him. I thought he looked so cool. That might be the only one I ever owned. <laughs> yeah, which, uh, the, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to, to that here in just a few minutes. Cause it's actually okay. something that, that's really interesting to me about why there were so many kids that knew He-Man, you know, we all knew the cartoon, but no, not many of us had a He-Man toy. I'd actually asked people at work who had He-Man and nobody had a He-Man toy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, when we first told me we were going to do this, my memories went straight to the TV show. Cause yeah. I remember watching that a little bit as a kid. Um, and then it was like, oh yeah, I did. I did have one T-Man toy. <laughs> right. Well, the uh, you know I, the show it actually came on after school Saturday morning. Um, I mean, it was on TV all the time. I mean, it was it was like every day yeah. there was another episode, and every episode had you know a little message to go along with it. And an interesting thing, if you actually go back and watch, just pick a random. I don't know, five episodes to watch them and tell me one time that He-Man uses the sword or punches a living thing, a, 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 a figure. Okay, so what I have found within doing research is that he does not use the sword on another human or monster or punch. He will cut down vines or trees and things like that and <laughs> cause things to fall over but he doesn't actually hurt anyone. He does hit robots and smash robots and machinery and stuff, but I don't know, which I always thought it was strange that there was this entire mechanical underground in a barbarian world in He-Man. Yeah, I, I did think that the aesthetic was interesting because I, I you know, doing a little bit of research on my own, uh, I saw that they sort of tried to do this like medieval meets science fiction technology kind of hybrid. And it's like, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, the memories start coming back. It's like, Oh yeah, they did sort of like blend the two together. Well, I think they were really heavily influenced in the, uh, at least the style by the, I uh, remember the Hobbit cartoon, the Hobbit oh, sure, uh, sure. movie, it was animated movie, but yeah. And, and I think the fact that they were chasing the star Wars, toys kept the right. like let's just put a little bit of pew pew lasers in there too right. just to kind of have a little bit of both right they had to balance that i mean they were going after that star wars market they were going after those star wars kids i mean star wars was a force to be reckoned with and oh yeah in the 80s um i mean it was just you couldn't top it because nobody had seen anything like it but then following the uh the he-man cartoon it was like every toy came out with, it was a toy and a cartoon at the same time. And that's just yep. the way it was from there on out. And if the cartoon didn't have a toy, they launched a toy. If the toy didn't have a cartoon, they launched a cartoon. It was just yep. every toy had a cartoon. So a cartoon became marketing for toys after that. They, they were literally 25 minute long commercials for whatever toy they were trying to sell you at the time. Absolutely. And here's the thing about the toys. So they actually, I think He-Man killed itself. So here's what I mean. They were coming up with 
everything that they could. I mean, they were coming up with. I mean, they, they had a, a human-sized bee, like a bee man. I, I think it was actually his name, bee man, bee guy, or whatever. Um, I mean, they had all of these toys, and it was like they were launching at like three, four a week, and then putting them all into each episode. So and, I'm looking, I'm I'm scrolling through different things with the toys right now, and uh, yeah, I'm seeing a few that now I remember. Uh, I'm looking at one now called. Uh, cyclone yes and he's basically just a blue guy with a fake radar on his chest like yeah. <laughs> and so they and i were, had that guy yeah. you had the lamest he-man toy ever i did uh, you know it's just good that your parents allowed you to have toys you know <gasps> golly but so they flooded the toy market with all these toys well what ended up happening was they ended up overproducing all these extra characters within the He-Man universe, and then they stopped making so many He-Man, Skeletor, and whatnot. So that's what I was getting to with why you didn't have a He-Man was probably because there wasn't one available. Because they huh. they got, I think it was Toy Town, was one of the biggest, like the second to Toys R Us, as far as distributors go. And then they got Toys R uh -huh. Us. And so these kids would come along and see all these, you know, these He-Man toys and want to buy He-Man and start a collection because Castle Grayskull was made to carry the toys. You know, not only right, is Castle right. Grayskull amazing, <laughs> which yeah. I learned it had to be completely re-sculpted because when it was initially created, it was created in a very architectural manner when Castle Grayskull is not architecturally sound at all. And so they, no, it was like a big rock. Right, it was a big rock with a skull and whatnot. And so one of the the artists actually remade it, but then they actually found that it was, um, I think it was only big enough to like put a Star Wars figure in, but it wasn't actually big enough to like put He Man into right side up. And he was like, "Well, you just turn it to the awesome. side and stick it in." So then they had to redo it after that. So, but so Castle Grayskull was made to carry these toys that they did mm. not have enough of the core toys that were the important ones. I mean, there mm. were more Prince Adams out there than there were He-Man, which I was... Well, just getting ready to say, that's probably why I have a Skeletor and a Radar Man. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it was probably a, like, hey, we couldn't find this, but this is good. Yeah. It, it looks like He-Man, he's just blue and has sonar ability or something. I don't know. I mean... You know, maybe they were watching too much MASH that night. They were like, Radar. <laughs> I don't know. Jeez. I know that quite a few of the characters were made where uh, the ideas were crafted over beverages and other. Oh, that doesn't shock me in the least. No, no, especially, especially when after the He-Man cartoon stopped and they stopped making the toys, they tried to relaunch it in 98, I believe it was, as He-Man in space. <laughs> And there was <laughs> He-Man with no, like, breathing gear on, flying through space with a ponytail as a barbarian. It was completely absurd. I think it lasted for one season, and then it was done. <laughs> so, but another thing that actually was credited to killing He-Man was... So, on the other side of Mattel, M Mattel's biggest seller ever was Barbie. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody knows Barbie. Well, then all of a sudden, 
the boys' toys were outselling the girls' toys by a large margin. And so Barbie went, well, let's let's have some sort of a rebuttal to this. Let's have one of our own. And so they came up with She-Ra. Yep. And so one of the uh, the uh, He-Man creators, he was like, he went to the lady over at Barbie after She-Ra was introduced as a toy and in cartoon conjunction animated movies and blah blah. And he said, "You're emasculating He-Man." And she said, "What do you mean?" He said, "How do you think it feels for a little boy to be like, ah, I've got my toy too, barbarian, blah blah blah." And then sister comes in with her flying unicorn with She-Ra on it and says, "I can fly too." And it's like, okay. I get why it would be launched, but 20% of the market for He-Man was actually girls. So, I mean, I felt like Mattel had a fair share there, but Barbie did not have a fair share anymore, and Barbie had to get even. So, Well, you know what's funny is if you think about that mindset in today's culture as far as, like, you know, like my daughter, she's a little over two, and right now she loves Spider-Man. Yeah. All she wants yeah. to do is play with Spider-Man. She's got a, a plushie that she carries around. She's always singing. She likes to hold it and sing the itsy bitsy spider. Yeah. It's like, I don't think it would be that weird for a little boy to be like, yeah, he man's cool. I like She-Ra, you yeah. know? Yeah. But see, like our mindset has changed so much on. Exactly. On acceptable as far as gender roles go. Yeah. And, you know, and I think now if they were to try to launch a She-Ra, and it would be an obvious rebuttal to He-Man. I do think mm-hmm. there would be some backlash on, on what's what's. If happening. if it was created as its own entity and not as like direct competition as a response to something, I think it would be a hit. But you're exactly right. You basically built it for confrontation. Right. Um, and I think that that actually was part of what killed He-Man. So I think Mattel mm-hmm. killed itself as far as it makes sense. I mean, He-Man was one of the biggest selling toys of all time, you know, the biggest selling toy mm-hmm. lines. Well, you know, <clears throat> Mattel, another side of Mattel wants to compete. And so they create something that takes out part of it. And then they flood the market with their own toys to a point of where they can't mm-hmm. even sustain themselves anymore. So, I mean, cause I don't remember actually having a He-Man and I kind of want one now. But so quite a few years ago and I was going to say while while we're while we're talking I've been looking at uh people's uh He-Man toy collections and stuff off on Etsy and and different things and man they've whew, Some of it's reasonably priced and some of it is not. So Do you see an in package <laughs> He-Man? So this one seller here and and i've been clicking through he's got a handful of pictures he does have some masters of the universe in package but he also has an absolute ton of original gi joe teenage mutant ninja turtles spawn x-men the whole nine yards transformers all of it he's selling his entire collection for fifty thousand dollars. That's more than I would pay. I mean, all right. So we're going halfsies. Well, even that's more than I would pay. I like the hunt of stuff like that. Like one of the things I like about comic book collecting is I like the hunt of going and finding 
you know, digging sure. through a bin of stuff at a yard sale or whatever, like mm-hmm. you know, finding the random gas station that has a box of comics to the sides that says, I sell comics. And you're like, I bet you've got something good in there. So I that like part of that's the fun to me. Yeah. Like I'm looking at, at some collections that these, these different people have. And uh, these are all unboxed. I, I'm not seeing a lot of stuff that's still in the package, which I know is, is really what you want. Like that's where the the money's at. I don't um, know. Honestly, I would kind of be down for having a He Man and standing it up and posing it um on the shelf with the sword. I have power. And, you know. Yeah, I've never been real into leaving toys in the box. You want to play with them, you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can't imagine fun. how hard it is for an eight year old boy to be told, "No, don't take that out of the box." One day, it might be worth something. Oh, I know, I know. So. Torture. So. We were talking about She-Ra, and I'll get back to to the toys here in a second, but can we talk about how ridiculous She-Ra was as a thing? Yes, woman barbarian, ride a unicorn, okay. It's fantasy world, fine. But She-Ra's sword was the most absurd thing ever. It could turn into anything. At one point, it turned into an ice maker. (laughs) It turned into an actual ice maker. So if she ever stayed at a hotel, she would never have a problem. It was just... Kind of convenient. Kind of, yeah. So, all right. So, I believe it was in 2008, a company actually got together with Mattel and actually started to relaunch uh, more detailed He-Man toys, which I've seen those. They look kind of cool, but if they were, Uh if it had any other name on it, it wouldn't be as cool in my opinion. But you know when you see Castle Grayskull that it's a Castle Grayskull. You know what that thing is. You There's no mistake in Castle Grayskull. Same thing with Skeletor. You know, there are certain ones, but I'm pretty sure you could slap a Conan the Barbarian sticker on He-Man if he took off the little star cross thing on his chest and be like, you know, we can market this plastic as something else and make our money back. Um, But, yeah, so He-Man killed itself. But it didn't. Because I believe I saw that the DVD sales when it was released out on DVD went. I think it. I think in the first year when they started releasing the seasons on DVD, I think they sold uh-huh. over two hundred million copies. Wow. Yeah. So E Man still hasn't died, and I think it's great that it's yep. all something based on trying to compete and take out Star Wars, <laughs> and all based on a dead body. And I mean, part of the yeah, that's cool. Yeah, um, and I mean, when you heard Skeletor's voice in the cartoon, it does not sound like the skeleton, the Skeletor voice that you would think it would have. It was kind of <laughs> and weird. It had like weird dad lines, and you know, it was. Well, you was know, fun. you know who it kind of reminded me of when when I was younger. It reminded me of the Crypt Keeper from yeah. the Tales from the Crypt shows. So nice. I kind of I, I bought into it. I liked it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I I loved it. I mean, I love Tales of the Crypt. But you'd expect like a deep kind of more right. menacing tone. <laughs> right. Not something that sounds like it, you know, be the <laughs> that, hop, that pops out from the wall in a funhouse. <laughs> right. You exactly. Know, it's a, you know, yuck, 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 yuck. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I I can't still to this day. I I love He Man. I do, but 
He-Man sadly just isn't going to make it forever. He's just not. Um, but I do want to also talk about how impractical the costumes were of He-Man. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just stop and look at first Prince Adam. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He shows up wearing a pink vest. And then a pink vest with dark purple underwear with lighter purple tights. <laughs> I mean, and then he pulls out the sword, which I don't know if you remember what the, the deal with the sword, but the sword was they had to have both sides of the sword to get into Castle Grayskull, and that's what Skeletor was always trying to get He-Man's sword for, which he never used to harm him. But um, so it, say, it wasn't a fight with, it was a key. Okay. Right, it was a key to open Castle Grayskull. But, uh, you know, Prince Adam in his pink vest decides that he wants to be He-Man. And so he says, I have power. And raises the sword over his head. Or actually puts uh-huh. it out in front of him. Doesn't raise it over his head. Just puts it out in front of him. And then he turns into super muscular, you know, furry underwear, you know. Yep. <laughs> but within that, the toy of Prince Adam was actually the same body as He-Man. So it was, so you got the toy, it was the body of He-Man with a tight white shirt and a tight pink vest on. With a, I forgot that that's what Prince Adam wore. Like, oh, yeah. oh yeah, no, that's that's what he wore. So you had this manly He-Man and then Funimation huh. created Prince Adam because they had to create an alter ego to create more of the backstory. And so sure, um, Prince Adam was a part of our lives in his pink vest. And, you know, if a guy wants to wear pink, that's fine. I used to drive a purple truck and I, you know. Yeah, no, it's fine. Fine. I have a a pink shirt myself. But so, so then you got the toy, you go to the store to get the toy of Prince Adam and you get a He-Man in a, in a white shirt. Um, But then, (laughs) but I mean, if we're going to talk about the ridiculousness of the costumes in He-Man, then we have to talk about the ridiculousness of costumes in pretty much any animated action show ever. So, you know. True, true. And when it comes to medieval fantasy costumes specifically, armor, uh, you know, that kind of thing, it's usually not very practical. Um, you know, in He-Man's case, he has a very, very small part of his ginormous chest covered. Um, oh, yeah. the rest is wide open for stabbings. Yeah, but he did have, uh, he did have wrist cuffs on, you know, he did have that wrist protection. So that is true. That's true. And he still had the, uh, the terrible haircut that Prince Adam had. I guess that doesn't transform with power. Um, you would think it, it should. <laughs> you think, but it didn't. So anyway, so that. Is all the time that I have on He-Man. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You cannot finish this without us at least touching on the Master of the Universe movie. That thing is a masterpiece. How dare I try to get out of Dolph Lundgren's follow-up role to Rocky. Don't you dare. Dolph Lundgren is a treasure. I'm sorry. I tried to get out of that. The rumor is the muscles were painted on, but Dolph Lundgren said those muscles aren't fake. And um, Yes. The Masters of the Universe movie. 
which I meant oh, to boy. have on hand how much that movie made, but if I remember correctly, it was shit. But yes. I uh no, I think that's accurate. I think it made shit. I think you're pretty much right on. Yeah. Um it was his follow up to uh to Rocky five or Rocky four. Rocky four. Um Let's see. On a budget of $22 million, guess how much it made at the box office. Uh, now, it has made a substantial amount after this because it has now reached cult film status. Right, yeah, it's kind of a cult classic. But I bet, gosh, I don't know, maybe $10 million? $17.3 million. That's not as bad as I thought it would be. No, but still, still a bomb. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I think that they could redo Masters of the Universe now better, but I don't think anybody wants to touch that. Um, not by any means. God, you, you know, we were just talking about how cool and badass some of these characters looked like, and, and, and I'm thinking back to how awful Skeletor looks. It's like, he's it, just like wearing a paper mache mask. Yes. Skeletor was terrible like just terrible on that and you know they had they introduced other characters there's a little dwarf guy with a bunch of hair and a big beard and, yeah and you know i think he was supposed to be the comic relief for the movie and just wasn't just no wasn't. it just it okay it so anyways but as with all of these movies from the 80s there's always one character one actor or actress that's it's like their first role or one of their first roles, and people always forget they were in it. I know exactly you know? what you're talking about, and it wasn't her first role. Courtney Cox's first role, I believe, was in a Bruce Springsteen music video. Well, I was going to say, I didn't think it was Courtney Cox's first role, but I remember it was one of the first for sure. And Courtney Cox um, is not what people remember for that movie. No, no, not at all. Most people forget she's even in it. Um Technically, she did an episode of As the World Turns, I think, okay. slightly before Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. Okay. I think. Okay. It came out the same year. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would actually thank you for Thank you for listening to the Courtney Cox podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we will not be talking about David Arquette tonight. <laughs> no, no. Save that for another night. Yes, yes. Uh, we may actually do a uh, entire episode on David Arquette. It'll actually be about a five minute episode. It'll <laughs> sure, sure. Go he was uh, he was in Scream. Yep, he was. Moving on. He was in that wrestling <laughs> movie too. The uh, the it was a wrestling movie he was in, and that's oh I've wait, uh, wasn't he in Eight Legged Freaks? He was in Eight Legged Freaks I, as well. I kind of liked that one. Yeah. So, David Arquette, everybody, give him a hand. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the David Arquette podcast. <laughs> yes. This podcast is taking on many names. I apologize. We'll it's decide my fault. on one later. <laughs> it's my fault. Yeah, fair enough. But yes, the He-Man movie. No, sorry. It wasn't the He-Man movie. It was the Masters of the Universe Masters movie. of the Universe, yes just, yes. just Masters of the Universe, not the Masters. Which, actually, when... Masters of the Universe was actually launched as a title for the cartoon. Did not exist for the toys before the cartoon. It was seen as the most ridiculous name per all the creators. They thought it was stupid and it was stupid long. But, I mean, what is He-Man without Masters of the Universe? So, 
you know. But yes, the He-Man movie is something that everybody should see once or don't. It's not going to kill you if you don't watch it, but I recommend it <laughs> just, just at least to get a laugh. And if if you like 80s sci-fi low budget cheese and it's not even low budget, it just it does not it did not age well. Like if you some, like if you like to study history to see how far we've come, <laughs> watch Master of the Universe to see how far we've come. And, to see and how with far that being fell. said, like you said, a, a remake would not be uh, I, I don't think that would be bad. Like I'm thinking of movies like Guardians of the Galaxy that have that mix of fantasy and space and stuff. I think it could work. I do. I think it'd be fun. Maybe I think that if we get a a remake of of the movie, it'll be animated at best. Um, maybe computer animated, but I don't think we're actually going to see a live action Masters Universe. Hot movie. take. Hot take. Dwayne the Rock Johnson as He Man. I mean, hey, I'd, I'd watch it, but I don't. I'm just saying. No, he, we need to get somebody much more <laughs> pale. Because, I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> He-Man looks like he's been hiding under a rock for the last 400 years, and then he has power. <laughs> I mean, and Prince Adam I, I wore long sleeves and pants everywhere. I was originally going to say The Rock is Skeletor, but I feel like he's too jovial. Like, he's not menacing enough. Like, no. maybe somebody like uh, Vin Diesel could be Skeletor. I mean, are you just wanting to, like, make a Fast and Furious Master of the Universe? <laughs> If that's what it takes, Fast, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Fast and Masters of the Universe. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, it would. Uh, I'd watch it. I, I would, but the uh, Fast and Furious movies are a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. They are. Thanks for tuning in to the Fast and Furious podcast. Um. <laughs> All right, so uh, Luke is renaming us tonight. <laughs> hey. So Jack of all trades. Yeah, I mean, you got to claim one, and naming is not yours. Nope. So, no, no, no. And I'm pretty sure there's a Fast and Furious podcast. I do not think there's a David Orcat podcast. <laughs> hey, it's an untapped market. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Let's talk about bad actors, everybody. It's a gold mine. All right. And for that, that is He-Man and Master of the Universe. I don't have the awesome. power, but I am danger. I am baby gator. And for He-Man, for the letter H... Ah. Later. Later, Gator. <laughs>